This week, we're joined by Katrina Zoltak. Katrina got her start in the industry when she enrolled in the Culinary Management Program at Fanshawe College in London, Ontario. We talk with Katrina about her experiences working at places such as Filthy McNasty's, the Westbound Golf and Country Club, the Hoother, Ethel's, and now the Keg. We touch on various topics such as dealing with difficult customers and the politics that occur in the workplace. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast, coming to you from Studio 258 with my man Dan Serretta. How are you? Hey, I'm doing very well. No complaints. Uh, still, still, still awesome. Mm-hmm. Must be nice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to rant on this podcast like I did on the last one for an hour first. We're going to get more right into it. The guest who's supposed to be the star of the show here. We have a great guest for you again today, Katrina Zoltak is with us. We are um, recording this on July 5th. That's the date. I swear to God, I don't know what fucking day it is anymore. I, I, I <laughs> literally just had to check my phone. It, it, it turns out it's a Sunday. Yeah. It yeah. turns out it's in July. Well, and now that every day is 40 Celsius and sunny and no rain, it's definitely all the same. Yep. Um, the, if you like the show, as I always say at the top of the show, the best way to help us out, subscribe, rate, and review costs nothing. It's easy to do. You can bang it out really quickly. Um, and it really helps us in the long run. So please do that. Also a reminder, if you want to be on the show, if you like what you're hearing and think you have something to offer, a story to tell, we say all the stories matter. DM us at the Industry Podcast. And I guess that's all the housekeeping to get out of the way. We should just jump right into this. That sounds good. Okay, Katrina Zoltak, how are you? I am doing well. How are you, Kip? I'm pretty good, uh, considering all this garbage. Uh, the, I, I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long. This is going to be fun, I think. It has definitely been a good portion of a decade. Mm-hmm. So we haven't talked since you had two kids and I inherited one, <laughs> which is pretty fun. Um, yeah, so uh, Katrina and I used to work together at Ethel's, like a lot of the people who've been on the show so far. Ethel's is kind of a staple in Kitchener-Waterloo region, so that's why that's kind of a recurring theme. But uh, we had uh, we had some times there. Sure did. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much I should elaborate on that, but... Uh, my, my secrets are already out. I'm the only one who's, <laughs> I'm the only one who's not nervous to tell... Shit I know. About, talk shit about myself on the show. So <laughs> we'll see, we'll see uh, what this tetrapack of Peller family vineyard Chardonnay does for me during. <laughs> oh, you you brought out the good stuff for our show. That's nice. I did. <laughs> we're we're still on. If it has a cork, that's too much time. Yeah, I just that, want that's... I want a bottle to open and preferably something that might not break on me. Oh, you should go right to the box of wine. <laughs> but you know what? They say it's four liters. I don't buy it. Oh, you, you think you're getting scammed? I a little bit do. Mm. It's like it goes really fast. Um, <laughs> it's because of the spout. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's always like the lowest point in my life is when I'm opening that box and hacking that bag open to like get out the last drag. So I can't get <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, want to feel like that too often. That's so. a true thing. When I was uh, in Australia camping across there, that the box of wine was huge for you when you're camping yeah. in Australia, and, and it was the first time we had ever seen it. This was many many years ago, and 
oh man, that moment though, when you're just kind of <laughs> ringing it out like toothpaste. Yeah. that's good for you good for you okay uh, we'll just jump right into this conversation Uh, I think you're the first person that we've had on the show who actually went to school to originally to do some of this stuff I think James oh James I don't count James (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah maybe um I did I went to Fanshawe uh, in early 2000s, it was not something that I would say I excelled at. It was definitely like a D for diploma situation. Um, mm. And what can you talk a little bit about what you're learning there? What uh, what like what's the program like, and what do you think, if anything, you got out of it? Okay, well, I think probably. I mean, I can't speak to it now. I would maybe think that things have changed a little bit. I didn't really know what to do with my life. I still don't, to be honest. Um, <laughs> well, it's too late now. You got kids. They decide for you. <laughs> and I think I always enjoyed kind of like cooking and being in the kitchen, like to a degree. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I thought, well, I could, if, even if I'm better at that, then that is at least a skill that I, I will have in my life. This isn't right. necessarily the direction I need to go in. Do you find um, that you're using it now, like especially during this pandemic situation? Are you cooking a lot? Oh, I cook all the time. Um, like it becomes a pain because I find like I'm constantly in the kitchen, especially now. It's definitely breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, for the kids, it's like like I don't eat. I don't eat until dinner, to be honest. Like my my breakfast is like whatever the kids didn't eat. My lunch is usually I like lick the yogurt lid I open for my kids and. <laughs> um, but dinner is different. Usually I make the kids their own thing, and my husband and I will wait until they go to bed and we have dinner. Um, that's really like the only time, especially when I was working prior to this, the only time we really had together. Um, So I do enjoy it. It does get like a little bit redundant and you do get stuck in ruts, but I certainly like, I, I, there's nothing I love more than like having a glass of red wine and, and making some food and listening Mm -hmm. to yeah, I've gotten into it just during this pandemic thing because really it's the highlight of your whole fucking day. It's like yeah. you, you, every day is the exact same, and it's like all becomes what are we going to make for dinner, though? Yeah, it's <laughs> just on my mind when I wake up right now. Yeah. Um, it does, it, it feels more like a chore a little bit now because there's just so much. Like, really, I'm cooking or making, like, there's four people in our household, but I'm, I feel like I'm making like 12 meals a day. <laughs> yeah. Right? And my kids my kids are two, they they don't want to eat the, they don't like the same things. I right. think it's like something they talked about to make things super frustrating. Mm. Um and so I'm like always kind of like you know serving their needs and then for us it's just whatever. Like Dave's happy with whatever he gets. He doesn't care, he's thrilled. Mm. So but yeah, I, I think it has served me in the long run. It didn't serve me directly for the purpose. I actually really ended up not liking school because um, it sucks the joy that I have out of it. Yes, uh, that's funny too, because I think that that transfers to a lot of people who become 
cooks and chefs for a living. It's yeah. they don't they, the, what they loved about it is now their job, and I, that's probably the same in any career. I imagine to a certain extent, although I don't know how much lawyering you do when you get home, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like for our job, it's like cooking or making cocktails or whatever, right? Like I don't, I I've kind of moved past the making cocktails thing. I let people who are younger and more creative and better than me do that now, but. Yeah. I also, like, when I was in the mix of doing that, I, like, coming home, I just wanted to crack open a beer or open a bottle of wine. Sure. Like, I have no desire to you know, make someone a cocktail at my house. Like, fuck you. <laughs> and if it was just me, like, if it was me at home, I would have, like, my dinner would be a bottle of wine and a bag of chips. No sweat. Yeah. Like, I don't <laughs> the desire to, like, I'm too lazy to eat. And yeah. I'm, too, I'm too sick of making other people's stuff. Right. Um, but like you said, like the joy of it, like how much lawyering, like you don't exactly, you don't lawyer when you come home. Right. Right. It's not something that transfers into your home life that you're still doing right outside of your job. Yeah. There's probably a couple of jobs where that are similar to ours. I'm sure there's many that I'm just not thinking of. Like maybe if you're a teacher or something, you come yeah. home, you're still kind of doing teaching. If you have kids. Yeah. yeah. It, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, we're the ones who, People just think, I, I always think about that Seinfeld episode where he was dating the masseuse and uh, he was kept trying to get a massage from her and she was like, I'm, I'm off work, right? right? It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so school is not really going your way, but what makes you decide, and I don't know, maybe you still don't think that this is what's happening to you, but <laughs> the, like, to get into the career, this is more of a career choice. Honestly, it just kind of came, like, by accident. I was done school. I had come back home to Guelph, and my mom was just really on me to get a job. Like, mm -hmm. and... They'll do that. I, yeah, and I had been, like, I was a pretty lazy teenager. Um, I wasn't really shooting for the stars in any aspect of my life, whether it was school or, like, outside of school, jobs, whatever. Um, and so my mom was on me and I had come to Waterloo one day to visit a friend and I saw that this restaurant was hiring and I was like, oh, I'll drop off a resume and see how it goes. And they ended up hiring me on the spot and I was kind of like, fuck. And <laughs> I went home and I told my mom I got, I got a job and she was elated. And then I was kind of like, how am I going to make this work? living in Guelph and coming to Waterloo doesn't sound like a huge commute now. Um, no, but, but at the time, yeah. Yeah, and when you're like 21 and it's 3 in the morning and stuff, it's just not necessarily ideal. Uh, so I ended up taking the job like pretty seriously, I guess. Like I worked for maybe three weeks from there, like from home in Guelph. And uh, a mutual friend I had with what became my roommate um, he was like, hey, I have this, I heard you're working in Waterloo, I have this buddy, uh, they're looking for somebody to move into their house, maybe you should go check it out. And I was like, uh, sure, whatever. But I had no intention mm. of moving in there. Um, so I went to go and check it out, and I loved it. Uh, I moved in the next day, and the guys that I lived with, it was me and three guys, um, we became really, really close, and... I ended up marrying one of them um, <laughs> yeah. many years later and oh, nice. working. So like when I was there working 
at Filthy's, which was my first job. What's um, this place called uh, again? Filthy, 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 Filthy McNasty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you ever go? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the name uh, says it all. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, but then that, like, working at Filthy's, it ended up kind of, like, when I reflect on it now, I was kind of living, like, the best years of my life. And I, mm. I didn't really know it at the time, though. Well, and so, well, how so? Um, just in terms of, like, I think developing pretty, like, deep friendships that I still carry through to this day. Um, living on my own which I did in college as well, but these the relationships I had with people were much healthier mm-hmm. here. Um, it wasn't, I had more freedom. I wasn't like tied to school and feeling guilty about not going. Right. Um, doing something that I didn't really want to be doing, living with people I didn't want to be living with. I just was like very liberating and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about the type of place that that bar was. It's more. It was. It, would you say it's more? It was almost more of a nightclub than a restaurant. Um, well, it's like it was a very polarizing place. Um, uh-huh. It was like you know how like they say do one thing and do it well. Like they kind of took that and ran in the complete opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. like, we're yeah. gonna be an amazing family restaurant. But at eight o'clock, get the fuck out because we're a hot nightclub now. Right, right. And, and those two things do not work together. Oh at my all. god! Can I tell you something though? There are so many. I don't know if this happens in anywhere else besides Ontario. I'm certain that it does in like small towns in the U.S. or whatever. But there are places pockets all over Ontario of places exactly like that. I know because I'm in Kingston. They certainly have them there. They had it in Belleville, which is close to Kingston, where it's essentially a family restaurant, but it hits a time period, and then all of a sudden it's a fucking dirty, disgusting nightclub. And like, who thought this was a good business plan? I don't know. I mean, I guess these places were open for a long time, so maybe it is a good business plan, but... I, I don't, well, I think it was maybe, I think it opened in like 97 and it was around till like 2009 maybe. And like, that's good. It was, but it was like clutching at straws for like probably a good five years. Oh, okay. Well, I, I always say this cause I'm in the game of the, what I'm doing now is like opening places and if you get five years, that's kind of what you're trying to do. And then you got to yeah. be thinking to the next place. And if it goes longer than five years, then that's amazing, right? Yeah. But if you get one of those, like, places that you and I both worked at that was just becomes an institution, well, you really yeah. hit the jackpot. But it's not – and that's why it's not the life for everybody, right? Like, not everybody wants to live their life five years at a time. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I, like, I'm surprised that even got that, that far. Like, when I look back on those times, I don't, like, I remember it in my, like, hazy, non-caring ways, I guess. And, like, everybody that worked there was really young. I think maybe the oldest person that was there was probably the general manager, the kitchen manager, and maybe at the time they were, like, 30. And how old were you at this time? I was 22. Right. Um, and it was like, everyone was like, every server and stuff was roughly that age. There were like maybe one or two older people. Um, so you're serving, you're not bartending, right? I was serving. I did like a little bit of bartending later on. Um, like if they needed someone covered or whatever, I would do some day bar shifts and things like that, or like beer tub. 
um, like shooter girl stuff that was the positive <laughs> worst. <laughs> I love that. I, okay. So I, I got to ask you a question about this. So if you're, so you're a family restaurant over dinner, right? Yeah. And then you're turning into a nightclub as the night goes on. Now, are you as a server on for both legs of that shift? Yes. Okay. So, so tell me about that. Okay, so um, you, in the dining room, they would often, dining room, and I use that term very loosely. Um, yeah. This is a podcast, so they can't see your air quotes, but, uh, <laughs> but let everybody know that she put air quotes on that. <laughs> like, like, you would you would work in the dining room, and then pretty much everyone would be cut if it was a bar night around nine o'clock. Okay. And like there was a bar area that you might have bar service in, but no one waited on you. Like it, they would just rather go to the bar. Go to the bar. Seventeen sure. bartenders on, right. um, and it's just a giant waste of your time. Uh, and then like maybe there'd be one person upstairs serving like the the dregs that like needed to come and sit down and have a glass of water. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically that was it. They would it it became nineteen plus at like eight thirty or something like that. Um, everybody had to get out. There would be a line starting down. It would wrap around the plaza sometimes. It was like wildly popular for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they had every gimmick up their sleeve to get people in there, like dollar beers. Um, there was the hour of power where <laughs> you didn't, drinking was free. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For an, hour, for an hour, they let you drink for free. Oh my god, what a fucking nightmare for a bartender. No kidding. And then everybody just wants water after. Like, people would, the line would be huge to the bar, and then they just go into the line again and just like circle through. What the fuck? I know, and I don't even know how they, how, where the loophole was that they found. I don't think they ended up getting away with it, why the hour of power came to an end. Yeah, Um, I don't think that was legal at any point in in Ontario. Yeah. (laughs) Um, they, they had their ways. Um, and it just, it was definitely a gong show. Like, and not only that, but I would, I would say you'd work a bar night and it was a Friday night, Saturday, because they also had an arcade and bowling lane on top of this, right? Oh, right. That's right. (laughs) Every gimmick, every gimmick. (laughs) Every gimmick. Then 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, I would be serving like Johnny Boy's temp birthday party downstairs in the arcade slash bowling area that never worked Mm -hmm. and one day there was this woman the mom came up to me and she was like i'm so sorry to bother you and i was like what's up and she's like i'm just i'm pretty sure my son just sat in a puddle of urine (laughs) and sat in or created don't doubt it yeah. And sure enough, someone had peed in like the you know the sit down race car arcade game. Oh my god! And like, and it wasn't cleaned up, and and like it, it you just you cannot be a Swiss Army knife of restaurants, and like no. I've never like I've never I don't think I've ever said the proof is in the pudding before, but <laughs> oh. the proof oh. is in the pudding. That's what this podcast's all about—just breaking out the new lingo. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's true, and. Um, and I still find places still to this day of people who I think should know better have been in the business for such a long time who still try and be all things to all people. And that is death knell for a bar or a restaurant. Figure out what the fuck you are and just do that, that to the best of your ability. That's, that's your only shot. Like, I don't think you see it pop up too often anymore. Like I never see, you don't see like 
big giant plaza spaces being taken up by these like, you know, 20,000 square foot um, restaurants anymore that aren't at least somewhat established. Right. Um, like not a chain. You yeah. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like I, I knew Kelsey's might come up every once in a while. Yeah. Or Bobby Joe's or whatever, but yeah. seldom do you see like it's not like these new like franchises up to that degree coming up anymore. Um, but yeah, that place, that place, I have a lot of like really fond memories and really solid friendships that came from that place. Um, but in terms of uh, everything else, um, they there was a thing or two to learn, I think there. Yeah, I, it's really, I mean, I. it happens to a different level now, I think. Like, you're not going to see a place like that open up anymore, I don't think. But um, you do see, what you do see is people who, like, start a place and, and they're, oh, we're going to be a cocktail joint. And then all of a sudden, people come in and say, oh, what do you have for beer? And, the, and then they get into the notion that, oh, I guess we should be doing beer. And then they... Throw in a bunch of beer taps or some shit. Yeah, and like I see that still fairly frequently, and I'm, and I just don't understand it. Like, yeah, you're gonna ride that out for a little bit, but really, you're just going to lowest common denominator. Just and and the truth is, you can't please everybody, and why fucking try? Because there is a place for everybody. Yeah. Like, just if if everybody sticks to one idea, then there's a place for everybody, right? Like, you don't the places that try and jam all the ideas into one or crazy there was a place like that in Windsor called that's very similar to the place that you're talking about it was called The Honest Lawyer yeah The Honest Lawyer it was a chain yeah Yeah. so that's very similar premise right yeah yeah they had the arcade games they had bowling alleys it was a restaurant it was a nightclub at a certain point mediocre food by day crappy atmosphere by night (laughs) yeah Yeah, we went there a lot a lot yeah we used to go down there for Detroit Lions football games as you know and we would stay in Windsor and that would always be a hot spot oh yeah Yeah. we we went there after a a Tigers game yeah yeah it's something but it must have been like home to you (laughs) (laughs) I think the honest lawyer probably did it slightly better um, they had a better name. Filthies was like Filthies was like bargain basement trying to do it all. Mm. Um, and there are still like I would say there are still places. One of which I also worked at, which is the Bingamans at Sports World. Mm-hmm. Era trying to do it all place as well. Yes. Um, also a nightmare. But that's almost an event center more than like. It is, and. Like, we can get to it later. That was, it's in my top two worst jobs. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> top two? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait um, to hear the other one. But yeah, Filthies, Filthies was great for the, the foundation that it gave me. And it obviously, like, sparked something in me that I wanted to continue doing this. Mm. Um, but, like, the, the platform to succeed was not there. Right. I, I had, we're going to move on. This show is about you, not about me, believe it or not. But um, the, I, I do have a funny story about that honest lawyer, lawyer place while we're just... So we used to go back down for these giant football trips, 15, 20 guys, right? Yeah. And we would go over to Detroit, drink all day at the game, drink at a bar in Detroit, 
after, come back to Windsor, go to a hotel room, drink in the hotel room, and then eventually go out and went like it's just disgusting levels of like frat boy drinking. And we finally got to the end, and, we, and yeah, you can see everybody fading. And I'm like, of course, the idea is, whoa, what, what'll perk him up? Let's all do a shot. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, so we I, we're at the office where we asked the bartender, and I'm like. I was like, this is a good idea to do shots. I'm like, well, let's just make them easy. Like, we don't need, like, tequila. We don't need Jagger. We don't need, like, let's just make something easy, but maybe it'll rejuvenate people. Shot logic, that's what that is yeah. right there. Um, but uh, so I ordered a round of polar bears, which is the shittiest, easiest fucking shot to do, right? And the bartender, of course, like had no clue what I was talking about. I didn't realize at the time. He's like, yeah, no problem. So polar bear, for those who don't know, is ice cold. It's very easy to drink. It's creme de menthe and creme de cacao. It's like, couldn't, it's just like drinking a cold dessert. Well, he gave us instead 20 shots of polar ice vodka. <laughs> warm. Yes. <laughs> Room temperature warm, yes. and we but they look the same because they're both just clear liquids. So we thought we were drinking these ice cold polar bears. Everybody throws them back, and it was a fucking disaster of vomit. And uh, yeah, anyway, that's just an aside. Now let's get back to the guest. Yes. Uh, okay, so uh, how long did you work at Filthies? You know what? I don't think it was terribly long, I, like in the in the scheme of things. I would say it was two two plus years, um, which is shocking because like when I did start there, I was really bad. I was a really bad server. Well, it was um, bad when they start though, right? That's your first serving job, right? So yeah, and like very little like decent training. Um, certainly, like that you don't give a shit. Like mm -hmm. there, I think that the. I did not care at all about like guest experience. Um, I did not care about anything. I just, it was like there to have a good time almost. I actually went home. I remember there was one day I was on a split shift and it was lunch and we get a lot of people from like Manulife, the insurance company that were in the building there coming through um, for lunch. And we wouldn't do cash outs on split, split shifts. And I went home in between and I was sitting there and I was like something's really bugging me I was like I know I didn't do something and I realized that I had come home and left two people still sitting at their table waiting for a bill <laughs> that I was gonna get <laughs> and I was like yeah sure thing just walked out the back door not even like thinking about it five seconds later and like that's the level of Shit you gave? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But in your defense, you're a 22 or 23-year-old woman at that time. Like, it's it, it, that job was probably more just fun than serious. So, yeah. But you kept going. So there was obviously something you liked about working in the service industry, whether it was just the money or whatever. Uh, you go to a golf club after that. So that must have been quite a stark difference it was very different I was crazy nervous starting there I had actually my time at Filthies um I knew I was at my end um things were changing I didn't I didn't like it as much um personal things came into play like it was just time for me to move on and I needed mm -hmm. to like I needed to pull the pull the cord 
Right. So uh, a friend of mine that had worked at Filthies was also working at this golf course. And he was like, come work here. It's so easy. It's so great. Like, you'll love it. They're actually looking for a supervisor because um, I magically somehow got into a supervisory role at Filthies somehow. Um, well, it was, uh, probably, it was probably leaving those customers hanging. That, that, that's when they knew yeah, that, you had what it took. Golden moment. <laughs> um, and then, so I was like, okay, sure, I'll apply for the job. And they did hire me as a supervisor, but they were they said, we're going to start you out on the floor. Obviously, this is one of those things I think happens in this industry quite a bit is promises aren't always met. Mm-hmm. Um, I never saw that supervisory role. However... Uh-huh the thing was is they paid me as a supervisor oh so even better (laughs) yeah totally um but i wasn't allowed to tell anybody that i was making like i think at the time i was making 12 dollars an hour right so what what year would this have been approximately uh this would have been 2000 and i'm gonna say 2005 so probably like the the server minimum there is around the six dollar range i think it was like I, when I first started working at Filthies, it was less than four bucks. Yeah, like when my first serving job, we made three fifty an hour. Yeah, it was something yeah. like that. It yeah. wasn't much. It was like three eighty five or something. It there wasn't much of a difference. Yeah. Um. So to go from that to make twelve dollars an hour was huge. Except at Westmount, there was no tip. Oh. Um, so because it's all based on having like it's all members, right? So if you're talking to regulars that come in and like seeing regulars is annoying or whatever. Um, This place is strictly the same faces all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a private golf course. It was, for the most part, um, a very elderly population um, that didn't even actually golf. You would get a handful of younger people. um, And when I say younger, I mean like (laughs) middle-aged. Like there was was never... uh, anyone there was seldom a new face unless a member brought a guest uh but like it was i would say that go ahead so 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 when you say they didn't tip like no tips whatsoever no tips whatsoever you didn't even bill people it just automatically like you would punch in their number at the end like their member number and it would would just get billed to their house right and it wasn't not not why wouldn't they have a fucking autograph for that or something um, they just didn't want us as servers judging members based on their autograph didn't even come into the equation. They didn't want us judging people based on their level of tipping. Hmm. And they wanted all members to receive the same style of service and the same whatever. But this whole um, business is about us judging people on the, <laughs> on the basis like, of their tipping. I'm just kidding. That's not true, people. <laughs> no. Um but yeah, it was that was probably the place I've been treated the worst in my life. Um, yeah. And not to like generalize and, and poo-poo, but it was I was still pretty young at that time. I, I didn't really have the thick skin that was required. Um, I had like I worked there during the the Hurricane Katrina episode. Oh yeah. And we had to wear name tags. And there was like this group of guys that would come in. It was just the three of them. And they were all always golfing. Their wives must have hated them. And they, like, I remember one day I w- went up to their table. And the one guy was like, oh, Katrina. And I was like, uh-huh. And he was like, does that mean you're all wet and wild? Oh. Alluding to the hurricane, right? Oh, that's just so wrong on so many levels. 
Oh, yeah. And then says to me, he's like, you think you can blow this like a hurricane? And then oh. gestures at his crotch. <laughs> what? <laughs> right? What? So, Dan, when did you get a membership at West Oh, uh, so <laughs> I joined in early 2000. <laughs> What the fuck? That's fucked up. I like, know, but you know what? He used to come into Apple's too, and I would still see him there. Oh my god, that's all. And okay, just we're gonna get to <laughs> Ethel's in a second, but I also remember working with you at Ethel's that this guy who was a friend of the owners who lived in New Orleans during the hurricane and was very oh, fucking oh, bitter about it very. came, which uh, understood. I mean, he lost a lot of shit in the hurricane. I would be bitter too, don't get me wrong, but decided that he was gonna. He, didn't he tell you you should change your name? Yeah, he did. <laughs> and I and was like very, yeah, I forgot about that entirely, actually. Um, and he was being very serious, too. It wasn't like a, a sarcastic joke or anything. Totally like. serious. Um, and I just, like, and, and I get it. I still get it to this day. Yeah. Like, as soon as, like, especially at my job now, I have to introduce myself. And I either get, it goes one of two ways. It's Katrina and the waves, or it's Right. right. Depending uh, on their age. Never stops being funny. <laughs> oh, it does. A long uh, time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I I do remember him. He told me to change my name and that I I should never come to New Orleans because people would like basically want to kill me and like you were the physical embodiment of the fucking hurricane. A thousand percent. <laughs> yeah, but it's fucking crazy. It's amazing how people will talk to you in this job. And obviously, like, as an attractive young woman, you're going to get way worse of that than anybody who's, like, a man in this industry. So I can't even imagine. Like, like nobody's ever said that shit to me. Like, I've had the odd, strange like sexually suggestive remark from a woman before in the history of my career, or maybe a gay man as well. But, like... The kind, the kind of shit that you guys have to deal with is, it, it, I mean, do you find that that's mostly a thing of the past, or does it still happen? Um, I don't think, like, where I am now is a little bit more um, subdued in that sense. Like, I think my times at Ethel's or my times at, like, Westmount, for example, Westmount was different because it was more of a mentality that I was owned by the members. Yeah, they're pretty entitled, right? Yeah. And and when I had spoken to my manager about, like, that occurrence specifically with the hurricane business, um, I, I had said to him that, like, it did upset me. It did upset me a lot. And it took me, like, a few days to actually come to terms with, like, how not okay that was. Right. And I said something to him, and he was like, well, here's where we can go from there. We can have a meeting with the board of members and it would come down to an actual to this day blackball meeting where they would decide whether or not to ban this person and say that should have come true like fast forward to next wednesday or thursday where his other two buds come in cronies are still there yeah and i'm still seeing them right yeah yeah i was like it's not worth it i'm like, I'm just going to move past it. But there was a lot of that there. There was a lot of, um, it, it came from women too. Like I had, we would serve, there was a bridge day where the women would play bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the, as, as I said before, the population was 
pretty elderly and like time is of the essence to these people. Like every second that takes by is precious. <laughs> so I yeah. would I, oh, I just clock's ticking. Clock's ticking. Totally. <laughs> I gave this I brought this one woman her sandwich and like I remember her very specifically because she used to golf with knee pads and a helmet and she her her sandwich had didn't have the crust cut off. And she said to me, what is wrong with you, you stupid girl? Do you have your period or something? Oh, my fucking God. Like, what? And and this is just the stuff that would, like, um, be fine, right? Yeah, like, like you just kind of brush it off. Like, oh, another asshole said something shitty to me. I think think things have shifted there a lot. I know by the end of my, like, tenure there, which was not long, um, that they were hiring from temp agencies because they could not keep people. Right. Um, and, and I don't want it, like there were definitely some great people that I looked forward to seeing, but it, it, for the majority of it, it was, it was a really rough goal. Well, we're laughing at it because honestly those stories are funny, but like, it's also, it must be mentally taxing to you. Like that's the way you're getting treated. You, like you said, you're getting treated like property. You go in, you're trying to do your fucking job. You're trying to give them a great experience and you're getting treated that way on a daily basis, whether it's that blatant, but I'm sure it's not always that blatant, but there's probably most of your days, you still have the same feeling. Well, for sure. Like, oh, your Arnold Palmer had too much iced tea. I'm so sorry. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I got to a point with that job where I had gone home and I was visiting my mom and my mom had recently quit her job because she was so miserable. And I was just saying to her like this, like telling her what had been going on and whatever. And she was like, you just have to quit. Yeah. Um, she's like, don't even think about lining something up. Just next. get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Just get out and, and you'll be fine. And like, we can support you. But if, you, if this is how you're feeling, then it's time to be done. Well, that's, that's, that, I mean, it's, it's good that you had that level of support because, yeah, it, it, it can become, like, just something that's normal to you, right? Like, you're just For like... Sure. And, and then I can't even imagine... It's, you, I don't want to get overly dramatic about this, and obviously I don't have the same experience, so... And I'm not a dime store psychologist, but, like, it almost must be, like, a PTSD effect after a while. I think you just kind of... you You brush things off and it becomes like the norm and a little bit of I don't want to say an expectation but like you you deal with it like consistently um from all kinds of levels but at that when I was at Westmont at that point I was still new to the game to a degree I was still young and like this coming from older men and stuff was a little bit abrasive and, and not only that, but, like, I don't know, like, obviously you're trying to show off in front of your friends or whatever, but in no way, like, do you, do you think we would ever, like, is that appealing to me in any way? Right, yeah. Why, why does that even like, come to your mouth? Has that line ever worked for you? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? But it's all, it's, it's very much in line with the stuff that's coming out, like, has come out more recently, like the sort of Me Too movement where... Because these people do have a position of power over you because yeah. they're members. You're just an employee. Like, yeah. they're not going anywhere. They're paying, in effect, for your salary. Like, not in yeah. effect, directly. Like, they're, yeah. they're paying directly for your salary. And, and, 
Yeah, and they know it. And they got money and they're probably used to, especially in that era, they're used to getting their own way, right? And, and a lot of them, too, were, like, kids, grown-up kids now of the oldest members, mm. right? So this is, they've grown up there, they are entitled, they're, they're whatever. And I, and I feel like I don't want to speak to the entire membership of that golf course. Sure, they can't all be assholes. But, oh. but majority-wise, yes, a thousand wow. percent. That's crazy. That's, uh, I don't even know if I knew that you worked there. Uh, I certainly didn't know all those stories. That's, uh, that must be fucking scarring. Is this going to be rough? When, like after this podcast is over, you're going to have to go home and drink facing the corner for a little bit? Uh, no, I like, I have definitely, surprisingly, no. And maybe that's the worst part of yeah. it all. You just get, that, well, your, your skin's so thick now, right? Like, it's, exactly yeah. It. Well, and I, and I honestly, I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just, I, like, I, what else can you do at this point, right? Like, that's that, that's some awful shit that should never occur. It never should have occurred. Certainly, hopefully, it doesn't occur anymore. But what else can you do now but, but laugh about it? It's over. It's in your past. And as long as it's not affecting you too badly, then... Oh, it doesn't affect me badly. I don't, like, not whatsoever. I think at the time, yeah, I was a little bit rattled by it. Because, like, after he said that stuff, I was like, I'm going to see you with your wife and kids on Sunday for your fucking egg white omelet, you asshole. Right. And here I am, like... Should just come right back and be like, by the way, I am ready for what you discussed earlier. (laughs) I wasn't wasn't backed. That was the thing there, too. You were not backed by management or by anybody to feel like you had... You could say shit like that, right, yeah. You just had to shut your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably sometimes, as, as bad as it sounds, is the best course of action. Yeah, and, and it does sound bad, but you're also probably right. Like, I, I mean, and that is something, and we've had conversations with this, about this on the podcast before with different people. That, that, that has to change between the guest and server relationship, but it also has to change within the framework of the people who work in the restaurant and bar as well, because there's still way too much of that shit that goes on just between fellow employees, right? Yeah, so, oh, totally. All right, well, we can move on. That was uh, <laughs> eye-opening. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so at, from there you go to a, what you describe as a mishmash of working at a few different places. You worked at the Revolution Flying Dog, which is a big nightclub in Kitchener-Waterloo area. You're also working at the Hooter, which um, we uh, our, the guest last week, Chris Kim, worked there as well for a while, and he was we we, we talked about. Were you working there when there were still uh, still the shoe shows or what is it? Yeah, the the um, the ladies. The ladies. The ladies oh the no, no, no! I I I I might have been, but I wasn't in that room. That place is like got a lot of areas. Yeah. Um, well, that place could be and so that was cool. called the lounge. Um, I don't. I never worked in the lounge, uh, and there might have been, but I don't think it was a frequent thing at that point. It might have been like, "Hey, we're going to bring this back for a night." Mm-hmm. Um, but no, there was there wasn't that when I was there. Okay. Um, that place was probably like, I think in the service industry, there's a lot of like labor loopholes, and this place had them down to a fine art like mm. 
uh, I didn't last terribly long there. I think I was there for about a year and a half, maybe. Yeah, and no, that's nobody, yeah, nobody lasted long at that place. And we got into a little bit last week with Chris about just Sonia, the ownership, just awful. Well, right. I think some people do. Like, there's a one woman um, who's been there for, she's got to have been there for 30 plus years by now. Yeah, I knew um, time, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, the, and a couple other people who were there for probably 10 years, you know. Um, but other than that, it was a little bit of a revolving door. Uh, it was like really, yeah, you, were, you weren't treated well. And on top of that, there like the biggest thing for me at that place was you weren't allowed to punch in, and they had a legit punch-in system. Like we put a piece of paper into a punch clock mm-hmm. to punch our time, and you weren't allowed to do that until you got your first table. And it was a seat-yourself environment, right? So sometimes yes. in the winter, yeah. So sometimes in the winter, like I would have a shitty section, and I would come in, and nobody would seat themselves in my section for three hours. So I would just sit there. And not getting paid, but you couldn't leave. Not getting paid. And then I, as soon as somebody plunked their bums down, I would have to go over, introduce myself, take their order, drop off menus, whatever, and then I was allowed to punch it. What? Yeah. Why am I not using this system? Well, you get a <laughs> It sounds so great for labor costs. Yeah. Get I ready, sugar run. Get ready. Incredibly detrimental to like any staff elite you might ever have. But it is a loophole. You're right. That's fucking crazy. Like they get away with it, and I guess if you don't like it, fuck off, right? And and on top of that, when I first started working there, like just barely, um, they didn't even cut a board. It would just be like one for one. Um, on the patio, and right. the patio was really big. Yes, so you might have a table over here, over there, over wherever. It was this total, total gong show, and the dine and dashes there were a plenty mm-hmm. with like zero system in place because there was the stairs right down to the street. Right. So did you have to, yes. So uh, so sorry to interrupt you, but did you, I'm assuming Dine and Dash was paid for by the server? Yes. Okay. So let's, I I would like to talk about this for a little bit because we haven't talked about this on the show forever. Um, Different places handle these situations differently. And first of all, all you fuckers who do this, I know sometimes you're 11 teen and you snuck into a bar and you think it's cute to Dine and Dash. Like, Bear in mind that sometimes that literally just, oftentimes probably, that literally just comes out of your server's pocket. Like Yeah, and someone, it's rushing. Yeah. So yeah, well, I mean, fuck, if somebody runs out on a $100 bill and you only made $100 tips in yeah. $100 in tips that day, that's it. You've, made no, you've just made your below minimum wage salary. Okay. Um, so, so, and places handle it differently. What do you think, because well, Ethel's, for instance, we... We started our own Dine and Dash fund, right? Like, yeah. in, independent of the of the restaurant, and we would just pump money, change into it whenever. And if you got one, you could take money out of it. But then people stopped putting money into it. Yeah, after a while. it disappeared. It disappeared just in time for my first Dine and Dash there. Oh, good. Um, That's great timing. <laughs> Best free meal I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> but and in other places, like for instance. If somebody dine dashes at my spot, because they don't happen, like, okay, you're saying who they're happening all the fucking time. Uh, it's pretty tough for it to happen at my place, but it, it has happened. Um, and I just cover it. 
because yeah. I just figure like that's the cost of doing business. Some of this shit happens. I, I, it's really shitty to put it on the serving staff because it's in a way they're like, oh, why didn't you notice that they ran off? I'm like, maybe because I was too fucking busy making you money. Totally, and yeah. and that was the thing there. Like you were all over the place, and yeah. and the access to get out. Like it's a it's a it's like living. It's like being in a five story apartment there. Like there's yeah. 10 different sets of stairs to get wherever there's there's many ways out um and like if you were like on a casual afternoon shift i don't remember what was chainsaw called before it was chainsaw silver spur the silver spur mm-hmm. so we get a lot of those guys coming Ooh. up and just like having a couple beers Oof. and then peacing out and like uh. like going to wherever right mm-hmm. um and and you would get it like a lot of university kids came in and I don't want to I do not want to poo poo on that um Go but ahead. Was some kind like that it happened a lot that was the place it happened to me the most in mm. my life like it probably once or twice a week really Ooh. holy fuck that's yeah. a, that's I mean that's a large portion of the time I'm sure that there's places all over that can uh, connect to that where they've had situations like there's certain I don't know there's certain bars or restaurants that almost lend themselves to it because of the clientele that they attract and also because of the setup now and i think specifically you had the the like the holy trinity of that whereas like you got hub yeah you got the clientele yeah that's that might do something like that and you're also seat yourself one for one so your your attention is spread all over this giant patio instead of where it should be on a a section within that patio that's close together well and that's the thing too and then when they started cutting sections they would assign us a section inside as well as outside so that's impossible to keep an eye on everyone and like you said the patio stairs inside too and the billiard room so like there was literally like four floors of stuff like you like i fitbit existed back in that day yeah yeah i've been nailing all the goals it was but how are you supposed to keep track of all those fucking people like that's and you're not you're not set up for success and you're also not you were not valued there um i don't think like it that place was a lot of hard work and it wasn't recognized um and it was like i i lasted there but then the reason i ended up getting pseudo fired from there was because i started working at ethel's and somebody told her and and she found out well and uh, the owner of ethel's glenn smith was on the program earlier you can check it out in the archives check out all our shows in the archives they're all fantastic trust me um the Glenn uh, talks a little bit about his, like, sort of ongoing feud with Sonia, who owned um, uh, the Hooter. So, that, yeah, that was, it was definitely, like, that, those weren't the two places you were going to be able to work at the same time. Either way. Like, and I, I, tried, the, I was doing both at the exact same time. Oh, I remember when you first got hired. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know how she's pulling this shit off, but as soon as one of the owners finds out, it's over. <laughs> oh, totally. And I, and I was working, like, honestly, it felt like 20 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and I, because I couldn't say anything. That was the thing. Like, other people would be at the Hooter being like, oh, I worked my office job today and I'm really tired. Can I do first cut? And I'd be like, fuck, like, I just worked 
eight hours at Ethel's and now I'm here yeah. at like two o'clock in the morning and I have to be there at nine or 10. Um, but I, I can't, and I couldn't say anything to anyone that even worked there. It was like my deepest, darkest secret. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about that actually, because I have some opinions. I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, but I have some opinions <laughs> and, uh, the, but on this specifically about the whole, cause a lot of people who do this job for a living, end up having a secondary job. Maybe they're working part-time at two different restaurants or bars like you're talking about, or maybe, like you were also mentioning, they had an office job and they do this at night, or maybe they're going to school and yeah. they're doing this. I have, I'm of two minds of it. Like, as as an employee, I'm, I've been there where I'm just like, fuck, I worked all day and now I'm working all night. Like, I need to be cut or I need a break or whatever the fuck. But now that I'm in the fucking um, other side of this position, I also feel like I don't give a fuck about your other job. Like, right. as an owner, like, I really don't. Like, I, I and I, that might sound harsh, but frankly, you're, you, this is a decision that you made. You, you wanted to work at multiple places. You wanted to go to school. You wanted to go do something here. And maybe you had to do it. I get that. But it's also like, from the perspective of an owner, of an owner or a manager, I always feel like that's that's a decision you have made. I, I, I'm happy that you're working here, but if you can't handle both, then don't, you know? I think I agree with you like 100%. Um, the job I'm currently working, every like, I, want, I don't want to say everybody, but 90% of people have a day job. Right. And it's like, you're a teacher, you're an engineer, you're like, it's like legit career, job mm -hmm. right and this is something you're doing in the afternoon or like whatever the way we're set up now at our job is certainly the the pool of staff is huge mm -hmm. so you can always find somebody who wants to move down or wants to take your shift or whatever um but in smaller spaces and places it's not like that at all no, yeah it's not like that at all and i think too like that is something I think what, with the Hoother and Ethel's, she was most concerned that I, her biggest concern was that I was going to be bringing like regulars and whatever to Ethel's as opposed what? to her business, oh. which is so absurd. It's the fucking Hatfields and McCoys of bars in Uptown Waterloo. Are you honestly worried about someone not spending $3 on a lion lager to come down to Ethel's and, like, buy a bottle of Canadian? Like, and it's not even going to happen. No one's no. following me. I'm no. not... That's interesting. Like, yeah, maybe a couple of creeps, but yeah, it's so it was so silly. And somebody I remember the day specifically, a group of girls came in from the Hooter and I ducked down behind the bar. I was like, oh my god, like I'm nailed. And I shortly after that, word got out. And it was like it was it was so dumb, but then she like called me into her office and she was like, we need to have a serious conversation. And she wasn't firing me directly, but she left me with the choice. Mm -hmm. One right? or the other. And I was like, why on earth would I pick you over someplace that doesn't care what right. I do otherwise? And on top of that, like, I, I never, never once, I was the person who was willing to stay to the bitter end 
Mm-hmm. And I wasn't coughing out because I had an office job or doing whatever. Like I was allegiant to you. Yeah. And that still wasn't, doesn't fit your mold of good enough. So. That's fucking hard in this business too. Like, uh, I don't know how to say this properly, but there is definitely not enough recognition for how much the server puts into their job at a place. And we all feel under-recognized all the time. Now, I do feel like sometimes, now that I've done both and I've been on the ownership side or the more management side or whatever, sometimes I feel like, oh, that person thinks they're underappreciated, but no, they're exactly appreciated. <laughs> but you know what I mean? For But so, but we all kind of feel underappreciated a lot. And I... And I, I, you and I have both worked in places where we feel like I'm doing all this shit and like, I, I, we're not all looking for a pat in the back, a pat in the back or an award at the end of the year or anything like that. But sometimes it's nice to, instead of just shitting on your employees all the time, letting them know that they're fucking doing a good job. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you just need the kind words. Well, I think that's like. Well, that goes in any aspect of life. I think, like, certainly the restaurant industry for sure, but also, like, in my life in general, like, being a mom, doing whatever, like, is give, 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 give. Yeah. With very little thank yous, very little recognition or appreciation. Um, I think a lot of it is just coming to terms with that and, like, being okay with it. Like, fuck it up a little bit as if I, I wish I could find a better term for it, but like you're not always going to be valued and appreciated the way that you feel you're deserved right. to be or right. whatever. Right. So yeah. And that's, that's just life for sure. But for anyone listening, thank your mom. Thank your yeah. fucking server. Thank your employee. Like, like I, I, it's one thing I learned because I worked at a place for a while where I felt like I was extremely undervalued. I only got shit on, and I, and like, I never, I never, and no one ever said, wow, you rocked this place however many nights a week and you brought us in so much money or whatever. Thank you. You never got that. So then when I took over the ownership was something I was very cognizant of, of just being like, letting people know all the time that I valued them and appreciated them doing good work. Like it, it's a small fucking thing. It's a text message, but yeah, it's nothing. It honestly, like where I am now in my job, which is working for the keg, um, I feel they're, they do an amazing job of recognition. Is that right? That's just kind of surprising for a chain too. Well, they're like, it's, it can, it's a chain, but it's also a franchise, right? So we are a franchise location. I know there's a lot of corporate locations. So, um, so your owner, your owners are like more. Like, my yeah. owner is amazing. Um, he is. He can be very. He can be like a little bit Russian roulette. I think if you don't understand his like extremely dry sense of humor, you can take it the very wrong way. Okay, um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I generally am not in the business of correcting people on my podcast, but I don't think anyone can be a little bit. Russian roulette. <laughs> By definition. Okay. Um, he, uh, the um, but there we are. Like, I, this is the, probably the first place I've worked where I genuinely feel valued as an employee. Really? Um, not, not treated as a dime a dozen. Um, oh, that's good. 
and put a lot of effort into training, getting things right. If something, if you're new to the biz and this is your first surfing job ever, like they will give you a lot of opportunities to correct the things that you might not be doing to their standard, which is very high. Um, and I like, I, I find that I'm happier there, I think, than I've ever been in any other job, even though I have to conform to certain, um, like, procedures or whatever like yeah. it's a more corporate environment like you're not yeah. you, your personality is not allowed to flow as much no, as you that definitely is. have a serving persona yeah versus like just being yourself but like i mean don't you find because i have certainly found this in my own career is like the older you get the less that bothers you maybe um like I, like I don't care anymore like that's just the job now whereas before i very much cared that my personality Sean too, and I was like, fuck this corporate shit, like, yeah. Yeah, keeping me down, the man's keeping me down. It could be that, but at the same time, like, I work with a lot of young kids, mm -hmm. and they are, like, the most driven, like, um, really want to do a really good job of, Wow, like, that has not been my experience. <laughs> exceeding expectations and just, like providing the most ultimate guest experience like that yeah. is i think they do a really great job hiring there i think they do um like a lot of really profound good training um so that you're not left like in a lurch like someone might ask you a question and yeah you're like yeah i trained for this serving job for four weeks and i had 20 training shifts which is absurd but I don't want to be caught in the mix of being like, can you tell me the difference between a New York and a, and a sirloin? Well, yeah, right? and, and I, I, I thought you said that because I think two of the most underrated things about running a successful business are hiring and training. Like people just think, oh, let's hire the youngest, best looking woman who comes in. Because that's, and, 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 and it's not that certain certain businesses, maybe that's something you need to consider. It shouldn't be, but maybe it is. I don't know. It's a very, it's a very sketchy line in the business that we are in. So we don't need to get deep into that right now. But I'm just saying like hiring someone and getting a sense of who they are before you hire them and whether they're e eager to be taught and like, and learn and, and, and whether it fucking matters to them or whether it's their job to get them to a university. Yeah. Right? And then, and then following it up on your end with properly training them. Yeah. The training there is really intense. Mm. Like, I, when I was getting trained there, I had recently been fired from my short-lived career at a charcoal group restaurant. Yeah, can we talk? Let's uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, I'm just gonna stop you. Like, like I, <laughs> I I I'm surprised because like I worked with you. You're fucking good at your job. Like, and you're. Well, that was an embarrassing pour. Uh, if you're, uh, yeah, sure, maybe white. Uh, if you're, like, if you're, like, I worked with you uh, at a place that we were allowed to let our personality roll, right? And I think I think it would be safe to say that we both got a little bit embittered there after a while. And I think the I think the entire I I don't want to say I don't want to bring other people into it, but it was a very it was a, a place to get easily jaded. Yes. Um, whether it was whether it was coworkers or regulars or or management or owners, the whole process, the whole scenario. It was a lot. It was it was my personal life. It was 
my personal life trickling down, um, I felt like if we're talking about Ethel specifically. Yeah, we are, yeah. We are, yeah. Um, I felt like I had no privacy. Yeah. And Well, because we all fucking hung out together. I, we all hung out together, but on top of that, like, every regular knew our business. Oh. Like, well, and I, I'm just going to say this. Yes, that's true, but you, like, we all had a little bit of control over that. Like, for instance... There were certain people whose business was much more known than, say, mine, because I didn't tell the regulars my business. Now, sometimes people I worked with told the regulars my fucking business, but we there were also people who worked there who were like, the regulars became their friends, and they started telling them and everything. I always just thought that was a massive mistake, right? Like, it, it, it was, it was a, it was a very different place. Like, I, I, when I got hired there, like, I remember going there as a regular and being like, like, working here would be, like, my, this is, like, the end-all, be-all. Like, I, mm-hmm. I would love to work here. This is yeah. the, the greatest achievement of my life. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting that job because I worked with Vinny at Rev. Right, Vinny Tawari. Yeah. And I, he's like, we're looking for some summer staff. He's like, I think it should be you. And I, and I used to come in there quite a bit, and I was like, oh, my God, I would love that. And he's like, so then he's like, I'm going to tell Brow to set you up with, like, message him and bring in your resume. I was like, I don't even have a resume. It's like a post-it note. And (laughs) I brought it to Brow, and he was like, great, like, you can start on Tuesday. And I was like, oh, my God, like, amazing, right? Yeah, but that's a good, they are pretty good. They made some mistakes there, of course, but that place in general, I feel like, is hired, like, for some reason, the hiring process they have fucking figured out. Like, I don't know how. Sure. Yeah. I think I think when you and I were there, like, obviously I came in a little bit later on in your career, but like, mm-hmm. when I first started there, I feel like that was like the glory days of like. Oh, a hundred percent fucking was. I'm I mean, and, and it's like we talked about this with Glenn. Like, there was a process where when I first started working there, it was all late night bar. Like, you wouldn't, you would start your shift at five, and you wouldn't get busy until ten. Yeah. And then it slowly morphed the other way, where it became more about dinner. But there was right when you started was this glory time where we were busy all the way from through dinner until two a.m. Well, there was, you might not know this, but there was also breakfast. Oh, and yeah, no, I, I don't know anything about that. They served breakfast there? <laughs> and I remember, like... I was just trying to get out of the door before it started. <laughs> my third, like, my third day, talking about lack of training. My third day there, oh, you know what? I remember calling, I remember calling, I was in Mexico, and my flight got delayed, and I was just supposed to start there. And I called Ethel's and I was like, I cannot be there in the morning. Um, like, my flight's delayed in Mexico. It's awful. And you answered the phone. I didn't even know who you were. I'd never worked with you. And I was like, I cannot come in tomorrow. I don't know. Like, can we please figure something out? And you were like, sorry about your luck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Fuck. I got home at 6. 30 in the morning and and like I had I came to work in my bikini underneath like a t-shirt and shorts I was pulling sand out of myself all day and, which is great with eggs 
<laughs> and, and so I'm taking down chairs in the morning, and someone's knocking on the window, of course, as they do there. And my first table was like, yeah, I'm going to get, like, two eggs over easy and, like, whatever. And I was like, you're going to get what? <laughs> like, I didn't even have a clue that Ethel's had breakfast. <laughs> and... <laughs> I am like poisoned from Mexican water and tequila. Got sand all up in me everywhere. And I don't even remember that. That's so fucking funny. (laughs) And somehow you still wanted to be my friend later. (laughs) Uh, We went through ups and downs though. But (laughs) but, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, we we did become friends there. And now that you tell me that story, I find that quite amazing. I'm going to be like, who's this fucking asshole I'm about to work with? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about your luck. I will never forget it. I was laying on the floor of a Mexican airport and you're like, and I asked, I was like, is Greg there? Is Greg there? You're like, no, I don't know any Greg. Oh my god. I know. That's really hard for me to imagine. Like I know that I was like that. I do know that. But I it's so far in my past it's really hard for me to recognize. Like I now that I've been like the owner or the boss or whatever, it's hard to imagine that I like that anyone would be allowed on your staff being that fucking person. <laughs> Like who? What? What did you know at that time? I had honestly, I don't think I'd ever met you at that point. And even when I started working there, I think I worked like a Monday night, and I was like, I came into this bar all the time, and I've never seen this guy. And I think that was like you coming off your Roger stint. Oh yes. And like just coming back or whatever, and we hadn't really. Yeah. I call those the crying in the shower years. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, so I probably just gotten back. That's true. Oh my God, that's funny. I I feel like all this whole um, session we've been having together is us laughing at your pain. So I don't mean it to sound that way, but the stories are funny. And as long as they're not scarring you now, that. <laughs> uh, and I'm sorry, I was a dick. Now we're and, and we're and after all these years, even though I haven't talked to you for so long until this podcast, we're still friends, so that's nice. Um, we have the occasional football text. Um, yes, same survivor pool there for a little bit. I know. Then we got I, fucked. We did. Uh, fucking Bengals. The fucking Bengals. Yeah, it was the fucking Bengals. Uh, pardon me. Bengals and Buffalo, I think. Was yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like you think you can always bet against Buffalo, and that's a safe bet, but. I know. But this isn't a gambling podcast. Uh, you So let's go back to, you come off Ethel's. We, we, we're going to breeze over that because a lot of people have worked at Ethel's who have been on the show. But those were some good stories, honestly. <laughs> that, um, so you you worked at Boston Pizza Bingham's for a little bit. Let's just jump ahead to Bauer for a little bit. Like, oh. what? Let's talk about this. So Bauer Kitchen, a lot of people have been on the show who have worked for Charcoal Group in Kitchener Waterloo because it's such a... It's it's a it's a big deal yeah. here. Like they have so many restaurants, they, and they're all huge. So, uh, talk about your experience there. What led to you being shit canned for the first time? Yeah. So, my experience there was overall generally negative. I would say I ended up like once I quit Ethel's, which in hindsight um, I've had many years to think about it now. 
I think I did hastily um, and without, I was only thinking about myself, which is okay. Well, especially in your career. like For sure. But I think I was thinking like more about my entitlement and what I deserved. I was coming off a of mat leave. Um, I thought I was going to, like, I was told I would come back into the same thing I left with and I wasn't given that. Right. And I took it and turned it on its head instead of just maybe being a little bit okay with it. Right. And that's... I I get that a little bit. And I I mean, that place did that. Um, Other places I've worked have done worked out have done that as well where they tell you one thing and but you you brought this up right at the beginning of our conversation where it's like it's kind of a a prevailing theme in the industry whereas like i mean it's not not an industry that's necessarily about honesty because and i and i'll take responsibility for this as well as in my times as someone with authority uh we're not if we take the chicken shit way out like rather than just being honest for sure. And I think what I wanted, though, was, like, I wanted the conversation. I wanted to, like, be Just able tell me to the say, truth. Yeah. This, is my, this is my piece. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've been, like, slightly slighted, which, in hindsight, was nothing. It right. Was nothing. A lot. Um, I took it really personally, and I shouldn't have. I think in life in general, there's some things you've got to let slide. Or yeah. you're going to you're well, gonna explode. And not to uh, interrupt you and make this about me again, but like I, the same thing happened with me at Athos. I got so fucking sure about everything I had done for that place and what have you. And I couldn't see the forest for the trees in a way where I was like, I didn't re- also realize that by the end of my stretch, and I'm saying this is your experience, this is my experience, but like by the end of my stretch there, I was so cynical and bitter about the whole thing there and so sick of the same faces every day and whatever oh, yeah. that I was okay. doing, I was doing a fucking terrible job for them. But I didn't, but I was still resting on my laurels for the times that I did a great job for them. So they, they probably couldn't wait to get fucking rid of me. And I took it so personally when I, when that was made clear to me. Well, I think like, like you said, we were, it was a very, like, I spent more time with regulars that came in there, you guys, whatever, than I would ever see, like, my family or, like, yeah. the people that mattered most to me. And I don't even know. I think the people that mattered most to me at that time were the people I worked with. Right. Right? And it was, it was like, when you have such a small staff, things are going to get mixed up. Oh, my God. And things are going to get intertwined and, like, you're going to be mad and you're not going to know how to say the right words to somebody who means a lot to you and you don't know how to approach certain situations. And, like, and can, I, I, can I say this as well? Like, there was a heavy party culture there at that time as well uh, that we all got involved in. And that you're drinking too late in the into the morning. You're waking up grumpy. You're, like you take things too personally because you're always overtired. Like, it's just, right? Like It's definitely unhealthy. And I think, um, I think I needed to, I I realized that, but I didn't need, I didn't know how to exit. Like I didn't know how to do it appropriately. And then I randomly ended up getting pregnant, which was a huge help. 
Yeah, that's what your daughter says. Yeah, yeah I'm honest. Like, I look back, like, as much as she drives me nuts now, but if I didn't have her, um, I don't know where I would be, really, Got in terms of things. And, like, she was the turning point for, like, what I knew was important. And once I went on my mat leave, even, like, at Ethel's at that point was I, I I knew that I had to go back and if something made me unhappy or like uncomfortable I needed to leave if I was bringing a mood home with me it wasn't right, okay. right. And whereas before it didn't really matter because no one's dependent on you right like, who no not yeah. at all yeah. and, and on top of that like once I went on that mat leave I kind of just took like it took that removed perspective to realize the toll this place was taking on me. Mm-hmm. And and you probably know, like, my personal situation at that time. Like, I was working with people that maybe I was trying to be okay with, mm-hmm. and it wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And I was adapting this, like, this, I was, like, building a shell mm-hmm. that I didn't need to have. I needed to shed it. Mm-hmm. And and be happier not being there. Like, I needed to, like... But the thing, the lure was the money. Oh, right? uh, it was... It was. I've never... I mean, I've worked in a lot of places in my life, but the, the, the period that you and I worked there together was the it's gold... Gone. It was ridiculous how much money we were making. It was, like, honestly... And, I'm, I'm, like, and I don't want anyone to listen to this podcast who's not in the service industry and be like fuck these guys, we should be tipping less. <laughs> but at the time, we were, we were, we, it was, it was insane. Like, I, I, I'd be like, oh, hey, my rent is due on Wednesday, but I work Tuesday for school. Right. I know. Like, yeah. And I, like, I, and I'm not going to get into dollar values on this show, but, but I will tell you, I, like, in the glory years of Ethel's, the dollar values that I would make in a single night does not seem reasonable no short of taking your clothes off yeah there is nothing in the world that like that would be that would have been the only thing i could have done that would have made me make less money there (laughs) (laughs) right well who knows um Um, okay so let's 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 talk about bauer a little bit like we're we're we're, I, i i like, I, it surprised me that you would get fired from a spot. So, like, what happened there? Okay, I still don't really know to this day. I have some general ideas considering, like, a lot of the people that worked there at the time were people that would come into Ethel's and I was regular. Like, were regulars and, like, whatever. So, I had had an interview with them previously, um, and I declined the job and decided to take that job at Megamans, which was another big mistake. And then came to that later, like only about three months, um, and had an interview again, got the job, but the culture was very out of my like scope of like realness or things that I just wouldn't normally be comfortable with I think um what I think my demise came from I got a complaint and it came on the cusp of my three-month like probation period 
And it came from the parents of a manager that was there. Uh, And this, I didn't know they were her parents, but it was also a really uncomfortable trying experience. And I didn't, once again, training comes into the mix. Um, They were telling me about a certain kind of coffee that they wanted. And I was like, I don't think we have that. Um, And they were like, you need to go to the cafe next door, which was subsequently owned by the same company. Right. Unaware to me. Uh, And you need to make me said coffee and you need to bring it to me. And I was like, I don't even, like, is this a thing? I I, I don't do that. (laughs) I'm like looking around like, what the fuck? And so at that point, this guy just kept like kind of rolling with it. And it was like getting really like degenerative and really uncomfortable. And I was like, you know what? I don't have the time for this. I don't, I, I don't need to be subjected to this and I don't want to be a part of this. Right. And I could see the wife like nudging him a little bit and being like, you're being a dick. Right. And I don't know if it was like some kind of show off thing or yeah, I don't know. And who cares at this point, but, but, um, whatever. But I think the, the grand scheme of things was they were kind of looking for a reason to, not have me there I don't like their their training process too was okay but at the same time like you started with two tables mm-hmm. and I never had more than two tables in three months and you're used to coming you're just coming off like a, well, I mean I know there was a spot in between but like coming off Ethel's where you're working yeah. 15 tables on the side of a patio and also make it, running inside to make your own drinks and deliver them yeah yeah. And like I can handle this, but you yeah. guys are treating me like so and so. But I also felt a little bit like, oh, do I deserve to be treated this way? Because maybe I'm not fine dining. Maybe I'm not casual fine dining. Maybe I need to be brushed up and polished. We don't need to get too much into the weeds into this, but I, I think you brought up an interesting point. Like, so every time you go to a new spot to work. It's going to be, they do something like a little bit differently, right? But the job is essentially the same. So if you're a vet like you were at the point that you moved to a spot like that, talk to me a little bit about like how it feels to get a two table fucking section when you know you can handle a 20 table section. Well, it was like, it was nerve wracking in the sense of like, like I know this comes back to this a lot in your podcast, but like steps of service, yeah, which at Ethel was not a thing. No, um, <laughs> and it was a lot of like, you know, you have this like water carafe on, on the table that needs to be filled to X amount of milliliters, and like constantly whatever, and like it's just a lot of like. Just things that didn't, I wasn't ready for at the time. And I don't think I was provided with A, adequate training. Um, B, like the managerial support there was completely gone. Like there was, there was nothing. Um, There was the general manager and he clearly didn't have a thing for me. He was very much a lot of people would be like, I will call him Tom. And people would be like, 
Oh, Tom, how was your weekend? Was it great? Did you have a lot of fun at the cottage? This and that's not you. That's not who you are. And I'd be like, I don't give a shit how was weekend. Right. So it's a little bit of a playing favorite situation. A little bit, and but I still knew a lot of people from like then, and and to the other thing there was with the spy duties. The spy duties are massive. It was insane. It was like I would have my two tables and then get cut. But I'd still be there for four hours, like, cutting butcher paper to put a fucking ramekin of butter underneath for the next day, like, and, like, polishing, like, every piece of, like, a teapot and, like, whatever. It was absurd. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I hated that aspect, but I loved it. That's probably why they have so many fucking people working, why you have so much, such a small section. For sure, but like I, I now that I'm working at the keg too, I see that differently and how much better it works. Like they, they do have all that, but they make it work. Hmm. And what's um, the, what like? Can you pinpoint what the difference would be? Um, the difference would be like not like Bauer would love to as soon as like labor things came in, like oh we don't have X amount of reservations we're gonna hack. A, B, and C from the schedule today, and it would always be bussers, and it would always be like support staff. So then you're asking your servers to do that much more, more. leaving on Instead of, a busser or a like some support staff. So, so, and if I can just interrupt you for a second here, what I think you're getting at is, and so at one point you're like you're cutting your support staff, so that makes the servers do more, but it yeah. also makes them make less money because you're keeping more servers on. Totally, I, totally, but at the same, like, it was just a, it was a weird place, and I think maybe I was subjected to, like, the weirdest of it. I know there was people there, like, and we would see them come into Ethel's that did really well there. Mm-hmm. Right? But, like, if you were kept on, it's like, if you were the closing server there, that was, like, like, a feather in your cap. Right? Oh. And, and I... I never got there. That's that's for damn sure. Um, I was definitely the lowest rung of the ladder. And then when I got fired, it was like the girl brought me into the office and she was like on a co-op from like the half a program at University of Guelph. And she had to fire me and she was like bawling her eyes out. And I was like, this is insanely uncomfortable. And I had never really been fired from anywhere before, and I mm. felt like, like, I didn't do a shitty job, but I felt like I got dumped. Like, yeah, I was like, it, I got it, dumped it, out of the blue. Yeah. And I was, I was shook because I felt like, my, I don't, it's not like my serving qualities aren't so the, Yeah. So they couldn't even get the general manager or like a very high-end... No, he went on vacation. And I'm pretty sure that that's a douchebag. Well, and I'll tell you this. I've never been fired from a serving job before, although I guarantee I should have been in several places that just weren't ballsy enough to fire people, right? But uh, I've been fired from a job before. I did roofing when I was in university, and I got fired from that job because I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, 
I'm not meant to be a roofer. And, and, uh, We're also a mover too, though. Yeah, yeah. And so I got fired from that job, but it does feel like you're getting dumped. That, like, that's pretty, yeah. I'm so yeah, surprised I was, by that. I was yeah. like, uh, what am I, like, what action yeah. doing wrong? And I was like, I want to know. So when I carried this forward, like, what did I do? And they were like, we're not at a liberty to discuss it. Oh, like, that, and that's just the bullshit where it's just like, they just... They didn't like your personality. There, there, there wasn't anything specific that they could pinpoint. No, just, and I, and it was I a per- personality clash, right? So, yeah. And, huh. and I, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that to an extent, but I was, I was really rattled by it and I felt really like unfairly treated and I just wanted somebody to give me a reason for right. just whether it's like I just want to improve well and the other thing is legally they have to do that so you, well, like, it, because it was my three months oh so you were still on probation period it was literally my three oh. months day oh. so I think he was like kind of looking for something and like I went into work and like everything was like roses and then someone was like going to the office and I was like oh it's dark in here <laughs> yeah well, uh, Katrina, I gotta say, I'm surprised you got fired. I personally loved working with you. You and I have had our ups and downs. We liked each other. We hate each other. We were best friends for a little bit. We were best of enemies for a little bit. But now I, I feel like it's all come back around, and uh, I'm glad that you're doing so great. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, and uh, you had a lot of hilarious stories. So mm-hmm. uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, let's stay in touch instead of not instead of just having it to be about a podcast, right? Like let's uh, let's have a drink sometime if we can get out of the house. Sounds great. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Katrina. Hey, Dan.